0: Philippians 1.12. I'm just going to read that for us before we start, and Kelsey begins. Okay? Philippians 1.12. I'm reading out of the NIV. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Amen. You got this. Oh, yeah, sorry.
1: Do I hold it? Okay. Um, Hi, everyone. I'm Kelsey. Um, I have actually spoken a couple times, but never in preparation. Chris has always just like called me up or called me out, and then I just have shared whatever came. So this was actually just as nerve-wracking, because then you have time to prepare and to think about it. Um, And the topic of the night was gospel advancing. And I was like, oh geez, okay, what does that mean? Um, Like encouragement and evangelism was like another little like tagline that was a part of it. And like note or like throwing back to the Cambodia thing of preaching when I was 18, that's when I first became a Christian. I was doing something called YWAM. And that is when I even knew what evangelism was. And at that time, evangelism was door knocking, it was standing on street corners, it was treasure hunting. And you know, you like pray and you're like, got a picture of a guy with the red hat and yellow shoes, and you have to find them, the guy with the red hat and yellow shoes. And like, that's who yours put, that's evangelism. And to be honest, I don't so much connect with that type of evangelism, although time and a place, I'm not gonna say that there wasn't some crazy stories that came out of those moments. Um, so then when I looked at the passage and read, uh, in Philippians 12 to 18, that's what got me thinking and gave me a new way of looking at what gospel advancing means. What does that look like? Um, and for me, it was, it like posed the question of what is living like and loving Jesus unashamed look like, um, even and especially in the midst of pain, And in Paul's case, prison. Um, So uh, thinking about my own life, and it's like, when has there been a time or situation in my life that I didn't care to experience? Like, he probably didn't care to experience prison, but that's where God had him. And he was just sharing the gospel all the more. So I was thinking, um, yeah, in my own life, when was there a time when I was in deep pain? And what was my heart posture in the midst of that space? So um, there's actually several situations that I could share with you, but one of them that really stuck out was back in 2015. I was engaged for the first time, and that was one of the most exciting seasons of my entire life. I was really excited to spend the rest of my life with this person and just felt so joyful and so expectant. And 2016 rolled around, and I get words for the year instead of resolutions, and that word that year was gold. And I just knew it was going to be this amazing year and all the things. Um, within the first two months of that year, actually, the, the relationship ended. And although save the dates were out and dress was bought and venue was booked, there was no wedding to be had that was meant to happen at the end of the year. And that was one of the hardest places that I had experienced at that point in my life. Um, and in that that word realizing, oh my goodness, in order to have gold, you have to go through the refining fire. And I kind of just wanted to skip the fire part and get to the gold part. But that was, um, that was what I was experiencing at that time was just feeling like life as I had known had caught fire. And so in my suffering, I set the table. And on the wedding day, instead of getting married, I had Um, my closest friends, and we sat together, and actually we all went around the table, and although that was one of the hardest seasons that I was in, I knew that I couldn't, I wasn't alone. I knew that other people were going through really hard seasons as well, and so I wanted to create space and share like, okay, this is where I'm at, and this is the pain that I'm going through, but what, what are you going through, and let's like kind of share in the suffering together. One, because I, I didn't want to feel alone, that I knew we're all going through pain. But then also, I knew that some people were going through really beautiful seasons of life. And I wanted to hear those stories of encouragement, too. And I feel like oftentimes, when we go through pain, I've experienced people like withdraw, or they don't want to share, or they think that no one else can relate. It's like this own unique thing, which it is. And also, we can all empathize, too, to some degree of what that pain can feel and look like. And then also, on the on the other end, people that are in a season of rejoicing and are super stoked also can kind of like maybe be timid in a sense of, well, I don't want to share if someone else is hurting. Like I don't want to rub that in in their face, or, like, fear of comparison, maybe, of, like, oh, well, that person's doing really great, so then I thought I was doing great, but maybe not. Just, like, oh, stuff. That's, like, okay, no, actually, we're meant to come to the table, um, and, and rejoice with those who are rejoicing, and mourn with those who mourn. So, in that season, for me, it was, like, this is actually a need that I have, and I want to also meet the needs of others, so let's just go through this together. So, as this kind of, like, took off, Um, at first it was just friends, but then people like friends of friends were like, what was that dinner that you guys did? Can you do another one? And so I'd kind of set for the month... Or for the year of 2017, I was going to host a dinner a month, and it was at different locations. Uh, the The conversation was the same. I had titled it "Burn and Bloom" from just the word of that year and the fire, and just knowing that we need to be refined in that. Um, but then also the season of blooming too, and we'll always be going back and forth. Like that's just life. You're never going to stay in one forever. We'll continue. We'll be continually be cycling through. And at this time, it turned into, like, friends, then friends of friends, then strangers. And then pretty soon, I was at a table, and I'm like, I don't even know anybody here. There's, like, me and one of my closest friends, and then just people that would heard about it wanted to come. So Christians were there, non-Christians were there, witches were there, Um, like new age practice. Truly, I had like all kinds of people come to the table. Like this was just a draw of what is happening here, this authenticity. It was for women also. This whole year was like specifically for women to come together, Um, but was really what um, I did do as the year went on and I opened it up to men and women and just seeing all that had happened at the table, like at the table the time that I did open up, it was my first co-ed dinner. These two brothers came to the table and their father had committed suicide like five years prior and they had never, ever talked about it. And it was brought up at the table and they ended up standing up and hugging and crying in reconciliation, like as brothers and what they had just gone through or had gone through and never spoken about. Um, Chefs that I'd hired to do the dinner, like they had completely walked away from the faith and host, like I hired them not knowing who they were. And then at the end of the dinner, like they came back to Jesus and shared with everyone like because of what's going on here, which it wasn't, I wasn't even explicitly like talking about Jesus. It really was just sitting together and sharing stories. Like it was just a space for people to say what season they felt like they were in and to offer up like a me too or an encouragement and just leaving so filled So it was really rad to see just all people from all walks of life. Even someone else came to the table and they're like, I would never step foot in a church, but like this table is church to me. Or someone else um, who's actually like one of my best friends now, she showed up and she was like, what the heck are you guys talking about here? You're talking about your feelings. Like I've never done anything like this before. Um, Like later through relationship, like told her about Jesus and she ended up getting baptized and is a Christian. Just like crazy things. And like, I never that was not my intention doing this at all. So just the fact that God was bringing people from, from all over and coming together and just through my suffering, how it kind of became my soapbox. That like God, like in the midst of such brokenness was changing lives just by creating that space. And it just makes me think of Paul, like he was in prison and just through that um, situation that he was in, like more people have come to know who God was from that and the least likely of people as well. And so just looking back on my life and in that situation, like hundreds and like thousands of people now know what burn and bloom is and have been able to experience the table in that way through what has what God's done in my life. And that is just like crazy to me that like had I would have gotten married, although that would have been beautiful, like this whole like movement, I guess, in a way wouldn't have happened. And it's even gone global. And so that is just like all for Jesus and all his glory and the work that he does in our pain and in our suffering and in our blooming. And so there's like that cheesy line of God takes our mess and turns it into our message. But that is so true. Like if we allow that, and I feel like that is what people are drawn to. We are drawn to Jesus because of who he is. Yeah, he said a lot of interesting parables and we had to figure those out and all that. But how he lived and people following him, like that's, people were like, wait, there's something different about this person. And when we are connected to God and when we are embodied by the Holy Spirit, there's just a natural overflow that comes from that. And I think of plants. I have a bunch of plants in my house. I'm not very good at keeping them watered. So they've taught me a lot. And one of them was, um, I was watering my plants and I just stick them under the sink and I turn the sink on. And if they have not been nourished and they're super dry, the water just pours straight through as if it's like a... A funnel. Like, it's not even staying in. But when the soil, like, just a little bit every day, and as it's nourished, when you put water in it, it actually holds it to the point of overflow, where in Levi's room, he has this really big plant, and I was in there the other day, and there's drops on every single leaf, just pouring out of the leaf itself because of the overflow and the nutrients that that plant has. And so that just reminds me, too, of, like, being connected to God and us being with him first and foremost, receiving his love, and being able to give love to others, and just looking at our heart posture, like, what does it look like to live and love like Jesus unashamed? How are our lives reflecting his love? What is in our hands? What do we have that we can use to further the kingdom? And at the time, I had a couple pallet boards and a few thrifted plates, and I'm like, I'm i need this. And I'm going to invite people in to do this as well. And even thinking about just incense, like you need that burn for the sweet aroma to take place. And I feel like that was Paul as well, like in the burn, it was just filling the prison and beyond. Um, so that's about it. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Amen. (laughs) And I stayed on time. Cat, where are you at?
2: Okay. Woo-hoo. I don't know, that was so good, oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. If that really isn't the picture of the fact that we all have something unique to offer, I really don't know what is. That should give us a lot of hope. I love that. All right, I'm just gonna log into my computer. I did not bring my Bible up here because I'm so ADD that if I had two things, I'd be like, do I need to be opening this now? But I wouldn't actually need to be, so let's just go right into it. Um, I really felt just to pray this over you, this is actually jumping back, jumping back a verse, Um, and so let's just take a moment, and I would like for all of us just to close our eyes and imagine that it's Jesus, our friend, our Savior, our Savior or one who is there in times of need. And this is what he's saying. So this, my beloved, is my prayer, that your love would flourish and that you will not only love much, but well. Learn to love appropriately. You need to use your head and test your feelings so that your love is sincere and intelligent, not sentimental gush. Live a lover's life circumspect and exemplary a life jesus would be proud of a life i would be proud of bountiful in fruits from the soul making me jesus attractive to all getting everyone involved in the glory and praise of god amen i love that (laughs) we need that when we're talking about evangelism (laughs) because I feel like evangelism kind of has this uh, way of being a a bit of like a, I like to use the word crunchy. (laughs) It's kind of one of those words, sometimes depending on your background, you hear it and you're like, ooh. We have some family friends. I grew up in an evangelical free church and um, they got saved in their adult lives. And so when they were asked, well, why did you decide to come to our church? And they said, well, we actually kind of thought it'd be like sugar-free gum. (laughs) We wouldn't have to evangelize. (laughs) And it was like, shoot. Shoot. Dang it. I hate that that is the heart posture, but you know what? That's okay. Can I just say, if you right now are in a place where you're struggling with your faith and, you know, um, a a deconstruction of your faith, um, you're not sure where you are and where you sit with God, and we're talking about evangelism, can I just say, please, just be at peace. Be at peace. This isn't like you need to go do this now if you and the Lord are in a fractured spot. I just really want that to be said up front. Um, when I was praying about this, I was like, Lord, like help help renew this in my own mind, in my own heart, because you know it's it's evangelism as something that has been fractured in my heart. There's been I've been experiencing, I have experienced forms of evangelism that actually created a sense of cognitive dissonance in my mind because it was like, this doesn't really feel like love, but I'm doing it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God, like, I, I want to share the love of Christ. I want to share my experiences, and can you help me just wrap my mind around what this looks like? And so the Lord gave me just the most beautiful picture, and I'd love to share it with you. And I felt like he had said, cat evangelism is like a painting. <laughs> and I love paintings. I love to paint, though, you know, whether I'm good at it or not, subjective, of course, but... Um, our lives are like a blank canvas on which we get to portray Christ in our own colors and styles. A painting is often remarked by its composition, just like art. Evangelism has points of composition that make it effective, that make it true, that make it pure. We are called to be a light and to share the source of our light, the gospel. And so I just want us to take a minute, whatever we're thinking about evangelism, if we come from a hurt past or a broken past with evangelism— Whoever we experienced evangelism that even kind of was like, oh, I really hate that that's a part of what we do. <laughs> hate um, can we just wipe the slate clean and just have a white canvas? This isn't, you don't have to mark it up and, and draw grids on it. Just like this has, It needs to be this. But the composition of evangelism truly, um, and this, of course, isn't all-encompassing, but the gospel for one, community and love. And and so let's just dive into those a little bit. What's the gospel? It's the good news. Guys, it's like super great. It's good news. I think sometimes we get so in our heads that like it's so solemn and somber and there are moments where that is the case and where we go through hard things and what happened to Jesus on the cross is somber. By no means is that Joyful in and of itself, but what it did is incredibly joyful, and it is such good news. We're free. We are totally free. We are no longer bound by sin, hell, and the grave. We're completely free. We're like, we have no chains. And that's the thing is that we need to live our life like that is true, and sometimes we can allow ourselves to like get so stuck in our shame and striving and having to be a certain way when it comes to living a life following Jesus. Like we just, we're trying so hard that we, we're not being loved by God. We're not letting us be loved by God, I should say. We're always loved by God, but we're, we're like, it's just so difficult for us sometimes, myself included. Sometimes I forget how much God loves me, that I, I can live carefree knowing that i am so carefully loved by god and so what is the gospel it's the simple truth the fact that jesus lived a life that we should have lived and then he died a death that we should have died john 3:16 because he loved the world so much that he sent his son and that if anybody believes in him they will not perish but have everlasting life that's it that's the simplicity of the gospel it's so good it's such good news And the gospel is played out in our lives in different ways. Our relationship with the gospel grows, and our life with Jesus is dynamic and changing. It's not just one way all the time. I love what Kelsey said, that she encountered Jesus in her burn, but then also in her bloom. And the gospel is that to us. And that is such an integral part of evangelism, because evangelism literally means gospeling. Amen, Eden. I love babies. Um... So so that's the first part of evangelism. We need the gospel. Evangelism is the gospel going forward. The other part of evangelism, community. I'm just going to reread what we um, were talking about. So I want to report to you, friends, that in my imprisonment here has has had opposite of its intended effect. Instead of being squelched, the message has actually prospered. All the soldiers here and everyone else, too, found out that I'm in jail because of the Messiah. That piqued their curiosity, and now they've learned all about him. Not only that, but most of the followers of Jesus here have become far more sure of themselves in the faith than ever, speaking out fearlessly about God and the Messiah. We as believers are encouraged by one another, hearing the testimony of what God is doing. And evangelism can happen one-on-one, but there's always a community of support behind it. We are never rogue agents, although it can happen in friendship where we make a friend and that friend doesn't know Jesus. And so we get to be a friend and be Jesus to them. Let's put away with friendship evangelism. There really should just be friendship. Um, But the thing is, is that we're not alone. And what we do and how we share the gospel and when we have a testimony and when we have something that God did, just like Kelsey just said, her testimony, I don't know if it bolstered your faith, but it definitely bolstered my faith. It definitely gave me ideas of like, oh my gosh, what? There are so many amazing ways, that blank canvas that God has given me for which to portray Jesus. Like there's so many different things that I can do. And we need community for that. We also need community for when we don't necessarily feel the love of God all the time but it's community that comes around us in love and says, no, 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 you are loved. You matter. God loves you. Shame off of you. You're forgiven. You're a new creation. And we need community for that. And so in order to evangelize, knowing who we are in Christ, knowing what Christ has done for us on a regular basis, we need community to remind us of our identity sometimes. Where no man is an island. We need each other. And it's in community, and I love in Jeremiah. It is this is like one of my all-time favorite verses, and I feel like it's just evangelism. So Jeremiah twenty-nine five and seven. It's when Jeremiah is talking to the Israelites because they are about to be taken into captivity, and everybody's saying, "No, no, no, that's not going to happen." <laughs> but Jeremiah is like, "It's going to happen," and this is what he says. He says, "Build houses, settle down, plant gardens, and eat what they produce." Also, seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you also will prosper. Evangelism, we're a community. We're a collective. And it's not just us, because if it's just us, we're facing in. But community faces out. And that's where evangelism happens out there. It's not in here. I had to ask myself at one point, are all of my friends saved? (laughs) And if all of my friends are saved, what am I doing? Who am I loving outside of those who already know Jesus? Is there any soul out there that is going through pain? Any soul out there that is rejected by their friends? Any soul out there that doesn't feel like they're of any value? That I'm in regular contact with? or maybe not in regular contact with it because I need to switch my life around in order to get outside of my bubble. But it's like, that's where evangelism happens, is making friends, is being in community, but then also facing out and going out into the community. I love that Jeremiah doesn't say, separate yourself, just be you guys over there and do your life. He says, no, pray for the city. These, Babylon was an intense place not the nicest. And there was a lot of stuff going on that wasn't holy. But Jeremiah doesn't say, leave the city. Don't go in the city. Be afraid of the city. Sin happens in the city. It will contaminate you. He doesn't say that. He says, pray for the city. Because when the city prospers, you prosper. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to go out, not to huddle in. We cannot be afraid. And I know that in today's climate, I know in today's climate it can be difficult because perhaps there is a little more venimosity when it comes to Christianity. Maybe. Venimosity is a word. I don't know. Um, But we can feel a little bit more timid and afraid because perhaps people are a little more vocal about things that they disagree with. And Christianity has gotten a bad rap. Um, And some of it is for a good reason and some of it is for a bad reason. But we're not called to hide. We're not called to just face in. We're called to go out and pray for and bless the city. And that means in keeping with the integrity of our holiness, that is important because that is what sets us apart. But our, mind, our eyes need to face out. And that's how we change things. With beauty and love and kindness, and goodness, and gentleness, and Paul talks about it further on in Philippians. But community is so important and integral to evangelism, because we need each other to support one another as we go out, because that can be scary, intimidating. I get it. I know. I've definitely been intimidated. It's challenged me writing this teaching. Um, but we, we need each other to go out and we do need to go out because we can bless the city and it can prosper because we have access to a creative God who is the creator of everything good <laughs> and we have it and our city needs it. There is not one moment where God has blessed and the blessing has turned sour. He said he's the God of light with him. There's no shadow So when we go out and we bless the city, it's truly blessed. There's not like a backbiting thing at the end where it's like, well, that didn't turn out well. I guess we actually cursed the city. We always bring, when we go with Jesus, we bring a blessing always. And that's our job. That's part of evangelism. So the last part is evangelism in love, which is so incredibly important. These are not in order from for, of importance because there's just no way you can like put one more important than the other. It's just all encompassing a part of evangelism. But evangelism and love, we are not called to make converts, but to share the gospel. It is not on you to grind at somebody to then accept Jesus into their heart. We are called to portray the gospel and to share the gospel. And it says to disciple one another I don't know um, if any of you have seen this documentary, but it just blew my mind. I think it came out in 2019. It's called Sheep Among Wolves. And it was about, I think it was Iran? Or is it Iraq? Is it Iran? Right, Iran. Um, And (laughs) if I'm saying it right, um, Iran. So here's the thing, that at that point, it was the fastest growing and multiplying church, although the church was actually underground. It was not legal to be a Christian there. The church was completely underground and it was mostly ran by women. And they're like, How is this happening? How are how is the church exploding across Iran? What is going on? And I love that they said that we have chosen that we are called to disciple others but not make converts. And that they sought out a person of peace, and that's important for us. That it's if someone is like being venomous towards the, the gospel and towards Christianity and towards Christians, it's not necessarily like, I need to preach the gospel to you. You need to know the truth right now like an attitude adjustment, but you know what? It's, it's finding that person of peace and it's showing the love of Jesus, whether directly using the words, which I am a fan of, but it doesn't, you have to use wisdom. It's like that prayer that I prayed over us with integrity and with wisdom, knowing and sensing what is appropriate for the time, being led by the spirit. It doesn't always mean that it's a one crick, like this is the gospel, Da 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 da. see ya, awesome, like I did my job. It's, Sometimes, when you're preaching the gospel to someone that you don't know, it's over time, it's being a friend. And sometimes, it's actually saying, Oh, like, how was your weekend to a coworker at work? And then they're like, Oh, it was good, how was yours? And just saying, It was great, I went to church. Ooh, <laughs> shoot. <laughs> um, but you know, it's like, it's being bold, because it does require boldness at times where we feel really wicked, uncomfortable. But then at the same time, it's, it's being gentle, <sighs> being as keen as serpents, but as gentle as lambs, knowing the time, knowing what, it is, what is appropriate to say. And I just wanna say that like, it's never perfect. It's, it's never perfect, it's, it's the practice of it. And so can we, can we practice it? Can we step out in faith? Can we share the gospel? Can we share it in love? where we're sharing it because we have this amazing gift. Okay, I'm just gonna say like a little vignette here. I, I love my big fat Greek wedding. I love it. It is a good movie. When I went to college, I went to an Adventist college and I went for business and they said, they started talking about brand evangelism. And I was like, this is because this is an Adventist college that we're talking about brand evangelism because I don't think this is a term outside of Christianity, which actually is not true. Brand evangelism is is a very real thing. And so what a brand evangelist is, is someone who is so in love with the product, they're not paid. They're so in love with it that they're like, I have to tell you about this product. We live in a society where influencers is the thing, where they're paid to tell you but Evangelist is like, this product is so good. And the brand Evangelist that for me sticks out every time is the grandfather off of my big fat Greek wedding and Windex. And he's like, everything, Windex is for everything. He's like, oh man, you know, it's like, you you have a cold sore, Windex. You have arthritis in your elbow, Windex. Someone scratched your car, Windex. And it's like, dang it, okay. We have a, we have something way better than Windex, and it covers a multitude of sins. It covers everything. It covers every issue that we might ever have. Jesus is always the answer, and please don't give it give it like that, where it's just Jesus, <laughs> because that's that's also really hard and cryptic, and, and it's hard to understand sometimes. But loving loving other people enough to when you can see where someone is hurting. And loving them enough to say, okay, I'm not going to just abrasively tell them that it's Jesus. But I'm loving them enough to swallow my fear or swallow my pride or swallow my pessimism of whether or not they're actually going to respond. And love them in a way that shows Jesus. And perhaps you talk about Jesus and perhaps it's the time for that. But it's, it's being an open door for somebody that when they see you, they see the heart of God, they see Jesus. And that's the heart posture, is love. I love 2 Corinthians 5.14, For the love of Christ controls and compels us, because we have concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. We're compelled by love. And if you don't feel compelled to talk to somebody about Jesus, or if you're kind of questioning, like, why do I need to tell other people It's like, go into your quiet place and ask Jesus to give you the love. One, that you would receive God's love for yourself and know how invaluable that is and how beautiful that is and how needed that is. But then also that he would also give you the love for others. In Philippians, later on, it says that Christ gives us the ability both to will and to work for his good pleasure. If you do not will to go share the gospel, ask for it. Ask for it. That's something that we should want. There is no like, greater thing than to share Jesus with somebody. There is not. Not the riches in the world, nothing, because that is a soul. Their life is eternal, and you are pulling that soul out of darkness And perhaps you're not the one that leads them into giving their life to Jesus, whatever that may look like, but maybe you're planting the seed. And then somebody else will come along and they will water it. And then somebody else will come along and they will be the ones that they are like, I need Jesus. What does that look like? But we need to have a heart that's open and out of love to see people where they're at, to see that they need Jesus. But here's the deal. We are not the Savior, but the saved. We are not the judges, but the one who once stood trial. But we no longer are judged. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation, where we bring things together. We do not pull things apart. Sometimes we can have a mindset that we're saving, and that, but it's Christ alone who saves. And this should also give us hope, because if we share the gospel and someone doesn't respond, that's not on you. Because... God is the one who works that into their heart. We just need to be obedient. I love what Josie said a while ago that we are the air that God moves through. We are the naked space in an instrument. Um, I'm going to close out, but the last thing I want to say is that if we're having a hard time loving one, go back to the Father. I love what Terry says. Every morning he wakes up and he says, Father, love me. Jesus, love me. And we need that. We need that revelation of love before we can go out and give love. That's that's so important. But this is why community is so important for when we're feeling far from God is because we can also be the love of Jesus to one another. Um, I'm going to close with this. This last part, Paul talks about people who have preached the gospel out of love and that people have preached the gospel um, for greed. And if you have been someone who have experienced that, you've done it, or you've experienced that. I've been both. I'm gonna be honest. I have definitely preached it because I wanted someone to see that I was a wild woman for Jesus, and that I could save souls and earn points for heaven. And horrible, but I was misled. And and I just love how Paul responds because he says others preach out of greed, and their motives are bad, and they see me see me as competition. And so the worse it goes for me, the better they think it is. But then they also, but he also says, how am I to respond? And I've decided that I don't really care about their motives, whether mixed, bad or indifferent. Every time one of them opens their mouth, Christ has been proclaimed. So I cheer them on and I'm going to keep that celebration going because I know how it's going to turn out. Through your faithful prayers and a generous response of the Spirit, Jesus Christ, everything he wants to do in and through me will be done. And I just want to say perhaps tonight is more of a healing night for you where evangelism has been, you have done it or you've experienced it and it's just turned you off to it. But Paul says, no matter what, the gospel was preached. And so I will rejoice. And he gives grace. And so receive grace but also give grace. Paul only gets upset when the gospel is actually mutilated and it's not the true gospel. But if the gospel is preached, no matter what heart posture, give grace, receive grace, because it's the gospel going forth. But let's be, let's be a picture. Let's be a painting. Let's have our own creativity. Let's love well. Let's love in community and be a voice and be a voice in others' lives. But we have a great joy to evangelize, and it's not one way. It's not supposed to look like just one thing, but we can be creative in it, and we can do it together.